Thanks, Daniel. You guys can have a seat. Uh, if you're in middle school, uh, feel free to go with our middle school uh, group now. I want to start off this morning by, by saying thanks to Steve Wallen and Steve Davis for teaching the, the past couple of weeks. Uh, they, they did a good job, didn't they? Uh, I refer to them as the Steves, but uh, the Steves are a part of our elder team, and, and I'm just thankful for them. I'm grateful for their willingness and their desire and the gift that I believe that God's given them to teach. Um, teaching, it's not an easy assignment, and I'm not in any way trying to ask you to feel sorry for us because I know you've got great assignments at work that take a lot of time and in life. Um, it's easily a 10 to 20 hour uh, assignment to prepare a message every week. And for a couple of guys who also work jobs and have home lives and family lives and, uh, and all that good stuff, I just appreciate their desire and their willingness to, to be a part of the team here at Genesis and, and to share what God has placed on their heart. Uh, I'm excited for that. The Bible tells the elders of the church to be teachers. And, and so I'm thankful that we've, we've got a group of elders that, that do see that and realize that. And, and you don't want to hear me preach 52 times a week a year. Uh, my wife doesn't. And uh, I don't want to hear myself that often. And I don't think you guys do either. And so it's, I think it's great to have some variety. And, and I do appreciate those guys very much and, and for what they do. Thanks. Thanks, Steves. Uh, we've been looking at some dramatic stories over the past few weeks in, in the life of, of Daniel. And I've got to say that I didn't invite my buddy Daniel to lead worship today because we were doing a series on Daniel. But uh, we've been in the book of Daniel over the past few weeks. If you've got your Bibles, I want to invite you to take them now. Go to the Old Testament and turn to the book of Daniel. Uh, we'll have the verses on the screen too this morning. But as we've been looking at these dramatic stories, uh, today's no exception. Uh, it's just as dramatic as the others and a story that probably most of you, even if you haven't really been a part of church much in your life, uh, probably a story that you're going to have heard of or be somewhat familiar with. It's Daniel in the lion's den. All right, it's the story of Daniel in the lion's den. And for Daniel, it's a moment of truth for him like no other. Uh, like no other situation that he's been in. And when we get to Daniel chapter 6, and that's where we're going to be today, uh, we discover that Daniel is now an, an older man. Now, that's not a picture that I've always had in my mind as I've thought about this story. And if I go back to my Sunday school days and think about looking at the flannel graph board, uh, you know, with the paper lions and the paper dungeon and such, I see Daniel as a younger guy, but he's about 80 years old at this time. And so oh, Daniel's 80. He's been a slave now in Babylon for 60 years. And I just think we've got to stop here and just take note of the fact that he never got to go home. I mean, Daniel was taken from his home life, from everything that he knew, from everything that he was dreaming about and what his life would look like in the future. And he was taken from that situation and moved into a different situation and he never got to go back. And you know, sometimes life changes in a moment's notice and it doesn't go back to the way it was before. And, and that's what we're going to see here in the life of Daniel too. He never got to go home. And, and while a, a challenging time in his life and not at all how he would have written the story uh, about his life, God's been faithful to him. And God's been working in his life and through him. And even as a slave, Daniel rose to these great levels of leadership in the Babylonian Empire. And by this point in history, Daniel has served as a top advisor for like two out of the three uh, most powerful kings at this time, most powerful rulers, and in two different world powers. Because here's what's happened in the historical context of this story. While Daniel and his buddies were captured in Israel by the Babylonian Empire and taken as slaves back to Babylon, Babylon has now, during the chapters 4 and 5, has been captured by the Medo-Persian Empire. And so this larger Persian Empire now rules over all of Babylon. And so Daniel's a part of this empire. So a lot's changed. 
So if you're in your Bibles in Daniel chapter 6, we'll discover this morning that we've got a brand new king. Last week, Steve Wallen talked about King Nebuchadnezzar, and we talked a little bit about his life and his testimony. This morning, we talk about King Darius. Darius was the Medo-Persian king. He, he was a Mede, and Daniel was serving as one of his top three or four advisors in this empire, and Dan, or Darius is about to make Daniel the number two guy. All right, Darius liked Daniel a lot. He liked what he saw in Daniel. So he's about to make him the number two guy. Look at verse three and you'll see what I mean. Daniel chapter six, verse three. So now, so now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to get uh, to set him over the whole kingdom. So Daniel, Darius, I, I think it's worth noting, did not believe in Daniel's God. You need to know that. All right, Daniel was a Jew. Darius had nothing to do with Daniel's God. And it's worth noting, though, that according to this verse, he saw something distinctive in Daniel that he didn't see in any of the other leaders working around him. You know, when he looked at Daniel, he saw integrity. You know, when he looked into Daniel's life, he saw loyalty. He he saw hard work and he saw wisdom. And because of these things in Daniel's life, he promoted Daniel to this high position. Now, I think it's, worth, it's interesting to point out that in Daniel's life, that we see that it's possible to remain true and faithful to God, even make a difference in the world, all the while living in some pretty difficult circumstances. You know, that, that's what I want you to see this morning, that if you're living in a difficult situation right now, or maybe you're in a difficult transition, I want you to be encouraged by Daniel's life. You know, and, and whether it's, it's a difficult, you know, time at home or, or maybe a difficult marriage that you're in, you know, or you've got a complicated roommate situation or maybe a challenging work environment, I want you to be encouraged. I, I want you to feel like that you can stand strong. And let's look at Daniel's life this morning. Let's see how God was willing to work in his life and how he can do the same in ours too. Well, Daniel's rise to position didn't sit well with everyone uh, that was surrounding Daniel and this king. And, and isn't that kind of similar to some of our work situations today? You know, you've been there before somebody else gets the promotion. And, and in some weird, maybe even deceiving kind of way, we kind of want them to fail sometimes because we think that should be us. You know, that we should have been the ones to get the promotion. Or, or maybe you were the one that got it. You know, you've been on the fortunate side of things and, and you're the one who's been promoted. And now it seems like everybody's got a chip on their shoulder about with you all the time. You know, that you somehow brown nosed your way, you know, or deceived the boss and, and you've gotten this promotion. Well, well, that's kind of Daniel's life. This is what he's going through right now. He's climbing this corporate ladder and his peers, these other men around him aren't happy about it. And as you listen to this message this morning, I want you to think kind of think of some of the events or some of the complexities of this story, sort of like a chain. You know, because in Daniel's story, we're going to see a a few links to this chain. You kind of one thing leads to another, a a series of links that come together that kind of complicate Daniel's situation because it is a pretty complex story. And we've seen now how Daniel's influence has grown in the kingdom, how he started off as a slave and he's risen to this place where he's now the number two in all of Persia. And here's the truth that we're going to see in Daniel's story. It's the very first truth. It's the first link in this chain today. And that is that sometimes advancement brings opposition. That that sometimes if you fall into a position of advancement, you're going to invite some opposition into your life. So So we need to be prepared. I mean, when you get the promotion... You know, or when blessings just start coming your way and and God's just doing all these great things in your life, often 
what comes with those is, is some new challenges. You know, it's some new pressure. You know, you, you get a great raise and now you've got this new money to, to work with and, and you need to deal with some of the pressures that come with using that money wisely. I mean, look at Daniel. Here, here, here he is, the number two in all the land. And the number two was the one who really held all of the power. Because in these days, the monarch or the king would delegate almost all of the responsibilities of the kingdom to the man right below him. So we could basically say that everything that happened in Persia went through Daniel's Blackberry first, all right? I mean, he read it. He had the right to, you know, make the decision on how they would proceed. He was calling the shots. I mean, he's the one with the power. And as you read through the story, what you realize is that God's doing some pretty amazing things in this guy's life. I mean, what could go wrong for him? Look at verse 4. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. So these guys, these advisors tried everything they could and they started digging around in Daniel's closet to see if they could like dig out some dirty laundry or stuff. And so they tried everything. I mean, they, they checked out his Facebook page and looked at all his pictures to see if there's a picture that they could, they could use against him. I mean, let the smear campaign begin on this guy, but there's one problem. He was clean. I mean, the Bible says that they could not find anything against him. I mean, he's been in public service for decades now, and they can't find a single leg- legitimate charge. No fraudulent expense accounts, no intern scandals, no questionable business deals, no gifts from lobbyists, no accusations from his staff. I mean, Daniel was a man of integrity, and he did his work with excellence, and they couldn't find anything against him. And so Daniel's co-workers knew that he was a church-going guy. You know, that this guy did church all the time, that he was always praying and everything. And so, so they realized and they decided that if they were going to take him down, they would have to use his faith in God against him. It was his only crutch. And so they came up with a plan and they went before the king and they appealed to his ego. Verse 6. So, so the administrators and the satraps went as a group to the king and said, O King Darius, live forever. Okay, so they're appealing to his ego. They're reminding him of who he is and the kingdom that he leads. Verse 7, the royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or man during the next 30 days except to you, O king, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, O king, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the laws of the Medes and Persians which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. And so here's what they did. This group of advisors, they went before the king and they said to him, hey, um, we've come up with a plan. We, we've all agreed on this, but they didn't because Daniel wasn't a part of the conversation. And as the number two guy, it should have gone through him first, but they're kind of given the impression that he's already given approval to this. Now, the king signs this new decree into law, and according to the laws of the Medo-Persian Empire, once a decree was signed into law, it couldn't be repealed. All right, so there was no going back. There was no reversal of this. So the king didn't really realize what he was doing. And the crazy thing about Daniel is this, and I think what we see in his life, that as you continue through the story, one of the things that you'll notice about Daniel is that he just never seems to kind of get caught, caught, caught off guard with this stuff. I mean, even going all the way back to Daniel, you know, chapter one and, and the temptation to eat the food. I mean, he, he's just kind of always prepared. I mean, he takes it all in stride. 
He's just kind of set on dealing with one day at a time, one situation at a time, one challenge at a time. And, you know, I think that's where a lot of us get ourselves into trouble sometimes. I mean, we live and life happens and one day opposition arises and all of a sudden we find that we're, we're really unprepared. You know, I was, I was looking this past week and uh, I don't know if you realize it or not, but the Department of Homeland Security uh, recommends that every family have an emergency preparedness kit in their home. I don't know if you realize this or not. If you go to uh, www.ready.gov, you can download a, uh, a form, a P- PDF file, uh, that kind of lists for you what the Department of Homeland Security recommends that every home uh, has in their emergency preparedness kit. And so I, I was kind of reading through the list and I decided to kind of put together some of the example items that they suggest that, that every family should have in their kit. And, and some of them are obvious. You know, they recommend that you have a fire extinguisher. And so, you know, I, I pulled this out and, and put it in my igloo cooler here. Uh, or that every, every kit should have a flashlight. Uh, and, and they're basically just saying, hey, you need to be prepared. You know, you need to be prepared from chaos that it could ensue from a natural disaster like a tornado or an earthquake or a terrorist attack or the chaos that breaks out if the Cubs win the World Series or something. Um, you know, they recommend that every home have, you know, or every kid have some trash bags for your own personal sanitation. Uh, they recommend canned goods. And if you're going to get some canned goods, don't forget a can opener uh, so that you can open those canned goods. Uh, things like water, which is obvious, or you know, a pair of channel locks so you can turn off the utilities in your house. Uh, a battery-powered radio, you know, and maybe even one of those new crank radios that they have so that you can keep up with what's going on in the world. If you've got children, you know, that you have baby formula, they recommend that you put ki- uh, things like games and, and word finds and, and different things in, in your kit. Uh, my personal favorite that I think everyone should have are just some cans of Mountain Dew, you know, because you don't know how long it's going to be. And, and if you get thirsty, you know, you might want to have a little bit of Mountain Dew. Now, the question that I want to ask is how many of you have an emergency preparedness kit already established in your home somewhere all right one two nathan really good man i'm proud of you uh we had one person in the first service uh we don't have one either i'll probably put all of these things away uh when i when i get home later on today um but why is that well you know i'll tell you where i'm coming from on it i don't know where you're coming from on it but you know whether i like to admit it or not, it's like it's not going to happen to us i mean we live you know you know just here on the north side of town or whatever i mean we don't have anything to worry about. It's not, it's not going to happen to us. I mean, we don't, we don't need to be prepared for stuff like that, do we? And I've heard, those people, heard people say those words in the hospital waiting room. I never thought it would happen to us. Or underneath the tent at the cemetery. I, I never thought it would happen in our family. Or how many times you've heard those words spoken, you know, maybe in a divorce attorney's office. I, I never thought it would happen to me. I mean, opposition comes in our life. We, we face these challenges and, and we're not prepared. And the truth is that every one of us will face opposition. And like Daniel, we need to be ready. I mean, Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. Not in this world, if you have trouble, but the verse implies that when you will have trouble, that every single one of us are going to go through these, the, the, these times of, of, of challenge and, and, and testing. And so advancement, you know, brings opposition. I mean, Daniel faced opposition. You and I are going to face opposition. But the chain kind of continues. The next link is that opposition brings challenges. 
you know, and so we need to be consistent. You know, opposition brings challenges. We need to be consistent. We need to live the same way each day. Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. It says, Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. And three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and they spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any God or man except to you, O king, would be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, the decree stands in accordance with the laws of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. Verse 13. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or to the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day when the king heard this. He was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. And so this decree goes into place. It's law now. It can't be repealed. No praying to anyone but Darius. What's Daniel going to do? He prays to his God. Is he willing to deal with the consequences? You bet he is. I mean, he's been in this situation before and he knows this is serious. I mean, this just isn't a matter where he might get some written warning you know, in his mailbox or something. I mean, there's no chance for that here. Opposition leads to challenges. And Daniel proves that he's up for the challenge. But here's what's interesting. I think that Daniel could have gone and just prayed off to the side for 30 days. I mean, if it were me, just stay away from the window, you know, so that no one can see you, you know, but why not change your location or your habit for the next 30 days? But here's what I think was going through Daniel's mind. I think he was saying, you know what? If I love God and he is the true and living God, then why in the world would I change my habits for someone else? And so Daniel keeps doing the same things he's always been doing. He's consistent. He keeps living the same way. Why was he up for the challenge? You know, why was he prepared? Look at the last half of verse 10 again. It says, three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God. Look at the last part of this verse. Just as he had done before. Daniel was invested in it. He had a history. I mean, for him, prayer had become a habit in his life. And I don't know about you, but, but I'm doing what I can to try and build some disciplines and some habits into my life. You know, things like taking some steps to make sure that I'm reading my Bible every day. Even if I just get a few minutes a day to open up God's Word and, and to read. Or making sure that I'm taking time for prayer every day. And I'm talking about more than just thanking God for the meal that He's given you at lunchtime or dinner or whatever. But to say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to try and make sure that I open my day. And maybe at some point during the day and in the evening. just Even just to take a few minutes to thank God for who He is and for the blessings that He's given to me. A chance to pour out my heart to him and just say, hey, God, here's what I'm struggling with today. Here's what I'm struggling with this morning. I just kind of want to get this out on the table. Or just trying to make a discipline of memorizing some scripture, you know, that, that can just be there and, and be on my heart. That if I don't have my Bible with me that I can recall or, or can feel like God can lay those verses on my heart. I mean, why do these things? Well, a big part of it is just being prepared. You know, to be prepared for what I may face of what might come before me. And I mean, it's I think it's why Daniel had formed these habits. He wanted to be prepared. He wanted this relationship with God, but he wanted to be prepared. 
I was talking with one of the, our, of one of the guys in, in our church this past week. Uh, we went through, my wife and I went through Financial Peace University uh, with he and his wife uh, just this, this winter. And his company is going through a tough time, like a lot of companies right now. And he recently found out that they would be cutting his hours back. And in the process, he was going to have to take a 20% pay cut. You know, pretty tough to swallow. And, but I, I loved his attitude as we talked at the back of the room last week. And I loved his faith. He said, you know, he said, here's the thing. I'm so thankful that we just went through Financial Peace University together as a family. I mean, we, my wife and I, we've incorporated some of these new habits into our life. We've worked on, you know, getting out of debt. Our, our spending is under control for the first time. We're living within our means. We just paid off our car. If we'd have gone through this crisis one year ago, it'd have been a major crisis. But because we've established these habits in our life, we're prepared. We're going to get through this. And we're just trusting in God. I mean, I, I loved his faith and his testimony about how God is working in his life right now, working in his family's life right now to get through this with them. And these times of ta- testing like Daniel faced and like what, what this couple is facing, these times of testing are really a great indicator of who you are and what your faith is really like. I mean, these times of testing show us what our faith is made of. And so what, what are your times of testing revealing to you right now about your faith in God? You know, and how you're putting your trust in Him. You know, are, are you a wreck? You know, are you miserable about what's happening in your life right now? Or do you continue to look to God for strength? To believe that, you know what, I can't, but God can. He can get me through this. Well, Daniel was all about making wise decisions. And for Daniel, prayer was an important habit in his life. He relied on the power of God. And I think that should be a great motivation for us as well. Do you know you can pray? You can pray at any time, at any part of your day. And God has promised in His Word that He will always be there, ready to listen to you. You know, and prayer gives us the opportunity to go directly to him. And, and he's promised, again, that if we call upon him, he'll be there. Well, Daniel, when he heard that this decree had been passed, he went straight home and he prayed, as he always had done. You know, when things get tough for you or when they get rough, you know, the temptation for you and I is to kind of abandon, you know, everything that we've ever known and just to be completely overwhelmed by fear. But prayer brings us closer to the heart of God. You know, and forming habits like, you know, reading the Bible every day or, or taking time to pray or sharing your faith with others or, or just stepping forward as a family or as a couple or as an individual and saying, you know what, I'm going to get into a small group. You know, I want to get around some other people who are following Jesus and, and I just want to be there for that support. I want to make this a practice in my life. I want to make this a habit in my life. You know, that's what we want for this church, you know, and for you is that you can get connected and we're going to give you opportunities to do so uh, coming in September. But when we do these things, we put ourselves in a better position to discern God's will for our life. So opposition brings challenges. The next link in the chain in Daniel's story is that challenges bring testing. And so we need to be faithful. You know, it's hard to think of a more dramatic test for Daniel than the one he's in right now. And and he's got to choose between faithfulness to God or keeping his life. That's his choice. And so every challenge that we face involves a test. A test that really reveals what our faith is made of. Uh, we, we see this all throughout the Bible. We see this in the life of Joseph. Back in the book of Genesis as a slave in Egypt when he was tempted by Potiphar's wife to go to the bedroom with him. And he, he ran out of the room. He was being tested in that moment. 
or when Moses was leading the people of Israel out of Egypt on their way to the promised land and they arrived at the Red Sea. That sea hadn't parted yet. The army was at his back. He was being tested with his faith in God. Or Abraham, when he went to the top of Mount Moriah with his son Isaac and God had commanded him to give his son as a sacrifice, Abraham had faith. He had the confidence in God to believe that when he got to the top of that mountain that God would provide another way. I mean, these are challenges, but they're tests too. And they're tests of faith and tests of character. And your challenge or your test that you're going through right now might not be as dramatic as these or as Daniel's or as the person sitting next to you. But even your tests reveal or will reveal what God, what your faith in God is like. There's a story of a man in New Zealand by the name of Ivan. And the police had ticketed Ivan dozens of times over a five-year period because he wasn't wearing a seatbelt. So Ivan decided uh, he was going to get the best of the police. So he rigged up this seatbelt of his own. I was reading this in an article. He rigged up this seatbelt that basically laid over his shoulder, but it wasn't connected to anything. Uh, So if you're sitting on the outside, it looked like he was wearing a seatbelt, but he really wasn't. Well, his trick worked for a while, and then one day he got into a head-on collision, which is never a good thing. Uh, He gets into this head-on collision, and he was thrown forward, and his head went into the steering wheel, and he was killed. Okay, he was killed here on the spot. And so the coroner was discussing this accident and he described this fake seatbelt. And here's what he said. He said, an extra belt with a long strap had been knotted above the seatbelt on the driver's side, providing a belt to simply lay over the driver's shoulder. Now, there's no punchline because it kind of sounds like it's a joke and it's not. But the point is this, that when truly tested, what is fake in your life will fail you. That when tested, what is fake will fail you. And if it's an act, if it's not real and the storm comes, and then the foundation of your life will be completely revealed. And the challenges that you face bring with them, you know, test of faith. My friend has a math, had a math teacher in high school who would hand out a math test and then share these words with her class. She'd say, today I'm giving you two tests. One test is a math test and one test is an integrity test. If you're going to choose to fail one of them, go ahead and fail the math test. Don't fail the integrity test. I mean, Daniel knew who he was, and he knew who it was he was living for. And Daniel understood what test in life really mattered, and this was one of them. This was his moment of truth. Look at verse 16. So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. And the king said to Daniel, may your God whom you serve continually rescue you. The word here is the word continually. It means forever. And the king recognized that Daniel had been faithful all throughout. I mean, he's having a hard time with this. Verse 17, a stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. I was reading another story this past week a story about a guy by the name of Charles Stanley. Now, if you go home this afternoon or this evening and flip through the TV channels and you land on one of the Christian channels or public access channels, you might see Dr. Charles Stanley. And he's one of the normal ones that preaches on TV. A great guy and uh, an older man. And he tells a story several years ago. He preaches down in Atlanta, Georgia. He was struggling with some opposition in his life. 
but he was also struggling with some opposition in his church. And, and during that time, an elderly woman from the church invited him to come to her retirement community for the afternoon and, and to have lunch with her. And he serves a very large church, and he's got people on staff whose job it is to go and eat with elderly people in a retirement community. And so he doesn't really need to do this, but he decides, well, you know, I've got plenty of things going on in my life, but I'll just take this break today and I'll go eat lunch with her. And, and so he goes and, and he agrees. And he didn't even know the woman very well, but he known that she'd been a part of the church for a long time. And, and so they sat down to eat and, and she had kind of picked up on the fact that it appeared he was going through a pretty rough time in his life. And he was kind of wearing it on his face and, and she may have heard some stories in the church even. And so when they finished dinner, this elderly woman said, I'd like for you to come with me when we're done back to my apartment for a second. There's a picture on my wall that I'd like to show to you. And now he had plenty of things to do and just kind of described how hard it was for him to agree, even after giving all this time for lunch. And so he finally agreed and, and he went up to uh, her room and they walked in. And sure enough, uh, up there on the wall was this picture, a uh, picture of Daniel in the lion's den. And um, I was able to find the picture on the internet this past week and, and just wanted to show it to you. I don't know what the number 749 is. Oh, it's probably for a child. Yes, I've never seen that before. That's nifty. Um, sorry. Uh, anyway, back on track. Uh, <laughs> I was like, it wasn't in there this morning when we did it the first service. But so, so she, she pointed out this picture to Dr. Charles Stanley, and she said, now I want you to tell me what you see or what you think is unique about this picture. And he looked at it for a second, and, you know, knowing that he needed to get going, he said, well, you know, I guess the, the lions are walking around in there. Well, what else? Well, I guess the mouths of all the lions are shut, you know, just as God had promised. Well, yeah, but, but what else? And he just wasn't sure what it was that she was getting at. And so he, he finally said, well, I don't, I don't know. Maybe is it that Daniel's hands are behind his back? And as he tells the story that she walked over and she laid her hand on his shoulder and she said, no, here's what I want you to see. I want you to see and notice that Daniel doesn't have his eyes focused on the lion's. Instead, his eyes are focused on God. I don't know about you, but I don't know how many times in my life I get so focused on the lions in my life and forget to keep my focus on God. And I don't know what your story is or what the details are of your life right now or what your lion's den may look like. But is it possible this morning that you've got more attention focused on the lions and you'd be better off turning your eyes to God? And do you remember the song we sang last week at the end of the message? Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full at His wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. You know, Daniel's focus wasn't on the lions. It was on the one who had created the lions. And his focus was on God. He didn't panic. But he had faith instead. And I don't know about you, but I want to have faith like this. Now, I want to have faith like Daniel did. I want to stand strong in every situation. You know, I want to keep my eyes on Jesus as we continue moving forward as a church and, and as we think about what's around the next corner for us and what our future looks like. You know, I want my eyes to be on God. I want your eyes to be on God. I want our eyes to be on God. I, I want us to be focused on Jesus and what it is that he wants us to do. You know, the same applies to my family, to my marriage with my wife and, and the way that I raise my boys and my little girl. You know, that while I'm focused on them, that my eyes are focused on God and what He wants. Or just in how I live my life every day out in the community. 
But what is it about Daniel? I mean, what did it for Daniel? What made his faith so strong in this moment? Well, I think the answer is so simple that we almost don't want to believe it. Daniel believed in God. He believed that God was who he said he was. He believed in God. He knew that whether the lions devoured him or not, he knew that God could be trusted. And he demonstrated great faith. Now, Darius the king, not so much. All right, so he loved Daniel. He knew that losing Daniel meant that he wouldn't be able to play golf quite as much. And so he knew that Daniel was pulling this all-nighter with the lions. And so the next morning he got up, he rushed to the lion's den, verse 20. It says, when he, this is Darius, came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice. Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? And this leads us to the final thing that I want to point out this morning about Daniel's situation. And that is that sometimes our testing and our challenges and our opposition bring an opportunity. It brings an opportunity and we need to be ready for that. Here was Daniel. Here's what I want to say to you. Look for opportunities. Look for opportunities in your life to tell others why you believe what you believe and why you have faith. Because you might be going through a bunch of junk right now. And it's possible that God wants to use the junk of your life to reveal how great He is and the miracle that He wants to prove with your life so that others may know how good He is. God will get all of the fame. He will get all of the credit and all of the glory. And He, he enjoys... He enjoys taking broken people and putting their lives back together so that others can see how good and how great he is. You've got some opportunities around you. The Apostle Paul says to to make the most of every opportunity. He says to always be prepared to give a reason for every hope that you have. I mean, the test of our faith will reveal how we are growing. And after Daniel goes through this time of testing, he now has the opportunity to witness to the king. And he replies by saying, you know what, King Darius? My God, the only God, the true God, has spared my life. And so they bring Daniel out of the lion's den for this incredible reunion. And now the king's pretty ticked off at these advisors who had devised this plan. So look what he did, because it's just kind of a neat end of the story. Verse 24, at the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and children, all right? And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Now, the king's got a little bit of a temper issue, and he's willing to go to the extreme, okay? He doesn't know God yet, all right? So we'll, so we'll give this to him. But I want to point out of what he says here, what God is make sure that is noted here, that I think is pretty fascinating. It says, before they reach the floor, I mean, this line is for all the skeptics who just want to say, you know what, I'll believe the story, but I just think the lions weren't hungry. Or that Daniel was just some sort of like biblical day Siegfried and Roy or whatever, and, and he could tame these lions, God wants us to see that this is nothing short of a miracle, that he showed up in a miraculous fashion and that he can do the same thing in your life too. He's a God that still works miracles today. And he was willing to allow Daniel to go through this time of testing and he believed that Daniel was ready for it. And Daniel believed that this testing was an opportunity for God to get all of the glory and for God to get all of the fame. Daniel didn't see obstacles. He didn't see lions. Instead, he saw opportunities. You know, Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. You know, not if, it's a when. And we will all face challenges. And if they haven't come into your life yet, it's pretty frightening to say this, and I hate saying this for myself too, but they're going to come. 
And there's no way of knowing what these challenges in your life may look like. You know, it could be a challenge with your integrity at work. Or it could be the pressure or intimidation when you go off to college this fall. Or it could come from a spouse who belittles you for giving so much time to this church. Or maybe it's a coach or a teacher who ridicules you for what you believe and what you, you stand up for. I mean, challenges will come. And when they do, you will have the opportunity to take a stand for what you believe, the God that you believe in, and who you believe that He has created you to be. But maybe you're in the middle of all of it right now. I mean, you've lost your job, your bank account is tight, you're not sure how you're going to pay next month's bills, your kid's sick, the odds are all piling up, up against you. I know it may be hard to believe, but this is your moment. This is your moment to stand for God, to give Him the credit, to give Him the glory, to quit focusing so much on those lions in your life, but instead to focus on the one who created those lions, but to give your faith, be encouraged, keep your focus on Jesus. That verse says, in this world you will have trouble with the second half of it's the best part, but take heart because I have already overcome the world. Jesus said, I have already overcome the world, that when I went to the cross and I gave my life and my blood was shed for you, I overcame the world. That was it. Daniel's going to come back up we're going to end a song today with a song today. And it, it might be a new song for some of you and some of you might know it. But it's a song called Came to My Rescue. And you might remember Darius' words when he sent Daniel to the lions. Then he said, Daniel, may the God who you continually serve rescue you. Well, this morning, this song that we're going to sing is our song of hope. And maybe the greatest thing that you can do this morning, no matter what you're facing right now, is just to stand to your feet. And to read these words and to sing these words as your words of commitment and faith to our God. Of acknowledging who He is and what He has done for us. It's our reminder that God has offered a rescue plan for all of us. And so I want to invite you to make it your prayer today. Before we do that, I'm wondering if right now, for some of you, this might be a moment of truth today. You've never given your life to Jesus Christ. We'll have some people up here at the end of the service from our team that would love to talk with you and pray with you about what a relationship with Jesus looks like or just pray with you about maybe what you're going through in your life. Will you stand together and let's sing this song.